Hello and welcome to the Sacred Remembering Podcast, the place for modern women who are waking up to the truth of who they are. I'm your host, Sarah Poet. Women are healing from outdated paradigms and we are rising. And we're not doing it by fighting or further depleting ourselves anymore. We are doing it by remembering who we are and standing in that unified truth. Here, we remember together through stories, tools, and curiosity. And in doing so, we bring forward the place of women in our modern world. Visit sarahpoet.com today for tools for your feminine, masculine awakening journey and to schedule mentorships and couples coaching with me directly. Now, let's begin. Hello and welcome, good people. Thank you for being here at Sarah Poet. It is my pleasure to be here with you today and bring you this episode forward with Violetta Pleshakova. Violetta is one of my favorite people, to be so honest with you. She's one of my favorite people. I love hearing her thoughts. I love being in her spaces that she creates and, um, yeah, you're, you're going to be in for a treat. We cover so many topics in this beautiful conversation. Um, Violetta is just, it's really a wealth of knowledge <laughs> and intuition and really bridging the space of leadership and divination. Um, this divine, she calls it divine dispensation, um, where she's truly listening to her soul as a thought leader. And this is unique in our world, as we know, and also super important at this time, because I have really been hearing from a lot of women who are making that huge decision, courageous, conscious decision to step into the next level of their truth. And the next level of your truth is leadership. Okay. Like stepping into your truth is an act of leadership. This has just been a theme all week. And then, you know, Violetta comes and she's talking about it too. So, as you are stepping onto this soul path where you know that you are meant for more, supposed to do certain things, you know, you're, you're hearing these, um, intuitions and this inner guidance and this soul guidance and you don't know, you know, how it's going to look and you're courageously going forward um, in that direction, please know from my heart to yours that that is life leadership. That is the definition of feminine leadership. I think moving forward, I'm saying it here on the Sacred Remembering podcast, and I feel that Violetta would uh, agree with me. And so, you know, I truly hope that this episode serves and I know, um, that it will. And, um, I also want to say that Violetta has held space for me and my business, um, over 
at least the last year from time to time, but it's been really wonderful. So I very much uh, lift her up um, and recommend that you check her out. Um, and we'll get you all the links. Her new Instagram, uh, Fresh Start Instagram is at Temple of Starfire. So, um, and all of the, the links are in the show notes to where you can find her. But she really weaves in the intuition, the enthusiasm, the Akashic records. Um, she also knows gene keys and human design. Uh, she also really understands business and leadership. So clearly, I'm a fan. Okay. Um, all right. Some of the themes that we talk about here today, I just, you know, wow, such breadth of content. We go deep, um, like two sisters having a conversation, which I just love. I even like brought my coffee. You'll hear. Um, I wanted to have coffee with Violetta. She's like a coffee connoisseur. Um, so we really go over a range of topics. We just weave and, and we're moving from death and transformation to faith and surrender. Um, talking about rebirth, soul alignment, new levels of devotion, Mary Magdalene and being on this path of, um, remembering her and what that means. Uh, Violetta talks about being willing to walk away this concept of self-leadership and the new paradigm, um, being in integrity with God and holding the light and the frequency of God, holding your frequency as your purpose. I mean, on and on, okay? Um, we also talk about healthy masculine energetics um, in women in the field um, and modern mystery schools, which Violetta is returning to. So I chose the title, actually, Grace in Imperfection, because I heard Violetta say those words in that order <laughs> at some point during the conversation, and I just thought it was so beautiful that I wrote it down. And so I could have called this podcast many, many, many things, but um, truthfully, I'm so grateful that Violetta came onto the podcast today to talk about her authentic journey uh, with its ups and downs in the last few months and um, just really want to lift up the model of grace that this woman is, you know, amidst imperfection, not trying to be perfect, but leading through uh, the grace and the authenticity of living into that soul blueprint and that soul alignment. So, um, Let's get started here today with the podcast. Thank you for being here. Of course, of course, many of you are listening. I know that you are, um, and it it makes my heart so, so happy. And so, so much love to all of you in this moment, wherever you are, however this finds you as you're listening. And um, if you like this episode, please go ahead and leave a review on Apple or Spotify. Um, you can go in through the app on your phone and just leave a quick review for Violetta and myself. And that's wonderful. Really appreciate that energy exchange. And also please know that the Sacred Remembering membership community is 
open for you, modern women waking up to the truth of who we are, standing in that truth in trauma-informed ways, in feminine and masculine unification, um, standing in our worth, standing in our soul alignment, all of that. And so I have a course library there for you, as well as live calls and we have our own conscious social media network uh, through Mighty Networks. And so we are building this community. You are welcome. This is a heartfelt invitation to anyone listening and resonating and wanting community in these areas. Because I know, Violetta knows, we all know, that when you are a modern woman waking up to the truth of who you are and standing in that truth, you are going to potentially be surrounded by people that don't understand, don't get it, um, you know, and this road doesn't really come with a map. I've tried to make you a few <laughs> to cut down on some questions, um, you know, and to help you out, but largely, you know, your soul, um, the, the blueprint is inside, but we didn't um, come with a map for building a new earth paradigm. And you are a part of it. The answers that are inside of you, these nudges that are inside of you, um, it is the solution that the world needs. I know this through and through and through. And so I have created the Sacred Remembering membership space for you to come and be in that authenticity and practice that and see other women doing the same and, um, you know, inquiring about <laughs> uh, what is this thing um, called the sacred and um, yeah, all the things, the feminine, the masculine, the remembering um, that really love is all there is and the unity uh, between us is all that there is. And so we are instruments of this creation of the new earth paradigm and um, the sacred remembering membership space is one's one offer. Um, and Violetta is, you know, having her temple of starfire mystery school as another space and another offering for you to remember and remember in community uh, together. And so this is the way forward. Thank you for being here. You matter. Your truth matters. So much love. Please enjoy. Hi, Violetta. Welcome back to the Sacred Remembering Podcast. Hi, Sarah. I'm so delighted to be back. We are both giddy. I think we're both giddy. Um, yes. <laughs> I love talking with you. And I made myself a cup of coffee. It's 10 a.m. here, but you're always posting on Instagram your delicious cups of coffee from all of these wonderful places in the world that I've never been. And I was like, I just want to have a coffee date with you. <laughs> So I, oh, right. I made my coffee. <laughs> enjoy, enjoy. Let's imagine that we are having a virtual coffee, that we finally have a chance to meet face-to-face. -face. I don't know if this will ever happen in our lifetime, but we don't have to because I feel so connected to you as we sit here. It's like as if there is a space beyond space and time on the inner planes where we are just casually chatting, having this conversation. Isn't it so awesome that... Um you know, at this time on the planet with all of this awakening, we also have all of this technology to connect us all. So um, I'm so excited. But let me welcome you by reading your bio for everyone. Um, this, I, I apologize, I don't know the episode that you were on before, but you are a returning guest. You're one of a few returning guests. And um, 
yes, today we're going to spin some sacred conversation. So, Violeta Pleshakova is a spiritual mentor, transformational trainer, and leadership development expert. With a PhD in cultural studies and over 10 years of experience in facilitating transformation. She runs a mystery school called Temple of Starfire that offers a modern take on ancient alchemical teachings with a goal to help you live your truth and lead with your magic. Violetta is also the co-founder of the Firepower Group, a leadership development company that trains purpose-driven entrepreneurs and paradigm shifters. Holding the frequencies of depth, mystery, magic, and beauty in her approach, Violetta blends together ontological coaching, energy healing, Akashic records channeling, human design, Magdalene lineage transmission, and frequency work. As a true citizen of the world, she divides her time between Berlin, Johannesburg, Moscow, and Southern France. And you can find her at templeofstarfire.com and Instagram Temple of Starfire as well. Welcome back. Thank you for inviting me back. It was episode 33. I looked it up. That was my first interview with you. Of course, 33. Of uh, course. Wonderful. Wonderful. So You've had quite a year, and I actually um, invited you back last season, and then your father passed, and yes. um, and that was about five months ago, correct? Yes, that was in August 2021. He passed on August 9th. It's been five months now, and I have been I have been through things. Let's say it was like a mini dark night of the soul after his passing, and I feel yeah. I have really faced the void. Yes, yes. Well, uh, I, I, my heart goes out to you and has been going out to you as you've been sharing your story of your father's passing and how it's affected you. And um, if I may, I know that I'm speaking to something so very big here. So forgive me if my words are small. Um, but it was just so wonderful to see the, the love expressed um, you know, that you and your father had together in this life. And um, it's not uh, always that we experience that kind of love with our fathers. So um, just honoring him and honoring his love for you. And um, yeah, it was, it was quite the initiation, I understand. And um, you'd like to share a little bit about that with us today? Yes, I have to say, I feel very blessed that I could experience such a bond with a father because yeah. unfortunately, many women and men go through the opposite. Yeah. The father wound is real. And I feel it's part of my story and of my journey to transmit the possibility of a father-daughter bond that transcends ancestral karma that transcends the wounded masculine see he was not a perfect man not a not a perfect person by any means but mm -hmm. as a father to me he was beyond reproach and he was a soul friend and although losing him in human form has been tremendously difficult it was a remapping of my world and this grief is with me it's now part of who i am it has not lessened in any way but I feel my relationship with him has just shape-shifted. Mm -hmm. 
Although there is a lot of pain, there is a lot of sadness, there is a lot of simply missing him, you know, wanting to have a chat with him and not being able to. And also knowing that he died rather young, he was just 59 years old, he died of lung cancer. And it feels in a way so sad that he is not around for longer. But anyway, this relationship, it just shapeshifted. He is now a spirit guide. Mm-hmm. I see him in my dreams every week. I feel that he's behind me. Mm-hmm. I, I feel as if he is supporting me. And this opens me up to a different level of connection with the divine masculine. Because it's yes. almost like he has, because in the last months, like last three months of his life, he has been on a deep spiritual journey of his own he came to realize his life purpose he came to realize how he basically scattered his lifetime pursuing business goals pursuing materialistic goals and just not doing soul work because in his essence he is a philosopher he's a teacher and then he was praying he was praying to god during his last months so please god if i recover i vow to be a teacher of transformation so he wanted to, to to become a spiritual mentor and so to me me being a spiritual mentor and also knowing that he has always supported my work he he was the one who bought me my first tarot cards deck when i was 18 really uh, that's special the boss. he yeah. gifted me um coach trainings you know he he was the one who supported me a lot uh, on this journey and now i know that whatever he could not do because his body was just beyond repair and it was just easy for him to leave I know that he gave me an impulse and he, with his support, now on the other side, he continues to support me. And I know that there are some teachings that are coming through for me now that are from his soul. And it is my job now to, to live his legacy. And in a way, his passing, the human aspect of this pain, it confronted me with deeper questions about But what is my mission on an even deeper level? Mm -hmm. How do I want to live? If I have no time to waste, if everything, if I lost everything, you know, what would I do then? And it gave me, let's say, more a new new level of depth. I've always called myself a depth dweller. Like, you know, it has always been a part of me. But this initiation, I feel, has been pre-contracted between me and him. That even in his passing, he's given me a gift. He has given me a gift of recommitting to my mission. And he has given me a gift of going through the void because I feel for the first two months, I was really not in this life. I had to deal with some admin stuff, inheritance, uh, taking care of his house in France and all the just the logistics of this that nobody actually talks about how brutal it is to go through a dead person's stuff and give away their clothes, how brutal it is to come into a space that they left thinking they were going to come back and find stuff, you know, like, I don't know, his notebook or his um, his scarf, uh, stuff that he just left left lying around and just having to go through this and to face this and to just handle it. It's just so hard. But besides that, I felt like I was somewhere on the inner planes and I felt so disconnected from reality, even disconnected from my work, which has always been my guiding light. Mm-hmm. And I also thought, huh, he tried all kinds of alternative healing. He was doing all kinds of work. He, he tried all alternative modalities, traditional modalities, everything, spiritual modalities. He, in a way, had a whole you know, process of atonement, trying to get healed, and nothing mm-hmm. has worked. And mm-hmm. for a while, it made me question spirituality. It made me question everything that I do. It made me question energy work. I thought, if the... 
if the best man I know did all that and it hasn't worked, is there any point, any validity to all of this? Are you saying it didn't work, excuse me, to heal him when he was sick? Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I think, I think it is important to have doubts. It's very important Mm -hmm. to go through this level of questioning as Mm -hmm. part of our dark night of the soul. Mm -hmm. And the analogy that I have here is, you know, from, uh, it's like, um, it's like a temptation, you know, it's like, am I going to abandon my faith on the basis of what's going on in my external reality? Am I going to question the tenets of my philosophy? Am I going to question my direct noses on the basis of some of my prayers not getting answered? This was a very humbling experience because it made me realize that although alternative healing modalities did not work for him, although his atonement did not bring him salvation and God did not miraculously just um, save him, although all of that happened, it does not negate the power of spirituality. It does not negate the power of healing, the power of frequency work. It simply means to me that there are some bigger forces at play, that life is mysterious. And this is what to me is at the core of my philosophy is we are not just creating our reality. We are co-creating our reality. There is, there, yes, there is manifesting. Yes, there is action taking. Yes, there is perseverance. Yes, there are all those healing tools and taking action and all that. But then there is also the great mystery. And through witnessing him in his sincerity, in his devotion, but still him exiting this body and this life, I had to even... I had to accept the great mystery on a new level. It means we have to, yes, sometimes there are things that we have no control over. And only now, looking back, I understand that it was pre-designed that way. It was his choice for his soul to have this lifetime, X amount of years, uh, and that he chose to leave at this point because the earthly mission for him was complete. So he did not abandon me and he did not fail. Spiritual tools did not fail him. Healing did not fail him. No, it was not what he needed. So mm-hmm. because then later on, I connect with his soul. I have a wonderful uh, intuitive channel who I go to and she helped me connect with him and just have a conversation. And then later on in my own processing, I realized, that, okay, it was just easy for him to to end his earthly life and to continue on the other side because now he can support me from the other side. We can still have a relationship, but it's very different. But to me, facing that void of, okay, what if I would allow myself to just burn everything down? What if I am to step away from spiritual mentoring, from intuitive work, from all of that? Who would I be then if I do not attach my identity to my work? If I do not attach my sense of self to my spiritual beliefs. That stripping down, that unveiling, undoing, complete reckoning and revelation and whatever, that was so needed because it was like a reboot, like a system reboot. So I allowed myself to dwell in the unknown for about a month where the only red thread, the guiding light was just one prayer that I was living every morning and every night and during the day. I was just putting my hands on my heart and connecting to God, Goddess, Source, and just saying, please show me who I really am and what I really want. Just show wow. me. Mm-hmm. Show me who I really am. And I was also saying, take away what is not true. Take it away. 
If it's not what my soul wants for me, I do not want it. That was my prayer. If my idea of who I am is not what my soul wants for me next, take it away. If this business is not what my soul wants for me next, if I'm complete with it, take it away, burn it down. If this friendship, this relationship, this, this and that is not aligned with what my soul wants for me next, what God wants for me next, take it away. And that was so liberating to not to not have plans, to not have goals, to not have visions, to not have dreams, to not have any idea what am I doing with my life, you know, just to allow all of it to dissolve and get rearranged. Hmm. So I just allowed for all of it to just dissolve and get rearranged. I was in that prayer every day for like a month or even longer. And then I was in Southern France taking care of an apartment that he had there. And it's one hour drive from the sacred sites of Mary Magdalene at wow. uh, St. Bomb, the cave where she um, where she spent the last years of her life and a church with her relics um, on display. And so a friend of mine came to visit and we drove to the basilica and we went on a mini pilgrimage through the woods to the cave. And there I was at Magdalene's cave. And it was in October, mid-October. And it was, let's say, the deepest point in that void dark night of the soul experience where I was completely undone. I was really undone. That's why my friend came to visit. She was like, okay, I feel the calling. And my friend, she is a Magdalene soul as well. She is... Um, She's a soul friend, a soul sister, and she kind of felt the calling. Like she, she realized that I need someone, mm-hmm. and so I'm so grateful that she came. Thank you. And she was there, and we went, and I stepped into the forest, last and bomb, with a prayer, with a prayer to understand who am I really and what am I to do next. Mm-hmm. And so that was the pilgrimage. And of course, as I approached, I had tears in my eyes. And there I was standing in front of Magdalene's altar at the cave. And as I was standing there, um, I'm just connecting with it now. Mm -hmm. (sighs) There were candles burning and I was there alone, although there were many people, but somehow I had a private moment. Mm. So there I was and I was just laying it all on the altar to be altered. I just let it all be transmuted by the divine. I was like, I do not know who I am. I do not need to know who I am. Fill me up. Guide me. Take me where I need to go. I just let it all go. And there, I kid you not, I had a feeling in my heart as if a puzzle piece came back a piece that was missing, maybe an aspect of my soul, maybe it was like a soul retrieval experience, something came and entered my heart chakra and clicked into place. It was a And there was a sense of also anchoring down into the grid, into the ley lines of Magdalene, into into the space, into the golden grid of the earth as well. Um, And I mean, it was not the first time I connected with Magdalene. Magdalene has been a huge part of my journey for several years. And I even taught a class uh, about her, um, a workshop series, like things like that. So um, it's not new to me, you know, but it was like it it was an upgrade, an upgrade. It was like, okay. And I heard from Magdalene Guidance. All right. It's time for you to to find your home again. It's time for you to come back home to your divine feminine lineage. It's time for you to Mm -hmm. reclaim your role as 
a purveyor of the mystical as a mystery school teacher. You need, and she said, you need to start training people again. You need to start training people in mystery school work in the divine feminine alchemical tradition. You need to start doing that again. Because I got distracted, you know, I was focusing on other things uh, mm-hmm. because I'm so multi-passionate. I'm, uh, I'm this and that and there's so many subjects that I want to cover in my work. Me too. Me too. Yeah. I'm so glad we're having this conversation on so many levels. But um, yeah, I'm relating to a lot of what you're saying. So please keep going. But And so yes, anyway, yes, yes. something <laughs> slipped into place and it was like a homecoming. It was a feeling of homecoming to Magdalene, homecoming to my lineage, homecoming mm. to to that soul frequency transmission. And so that happened. Mm-hmm. My friend left. I spent a couple of weeks just uh, integrating and being and so on. And then one morning uh, I wake up and I realize, oh, okay, I have to teach a series of workshops about Magdalene. So mm-hmm. I created this program and I taught it. I delivered it. A beautiful group of people showed up. You know, it amazes me how People always show up for my soul offerings that come from guidance, not from offerings that come from strategy or that come from, oh, okay, what makes sense for my business? What are people asking for? It rather is like, I call it by divine dispensation. The offering came by divine dispensation. It was like, okay, Magdalene wants me to teach about this and this is needed for divine feminine lineage. X amount of people will come into the space. It will plug them back in to their lineage. It will activate them and help them come back home to their heart. So that I taught this series of workshops, which was healing for them and healing for me too. Yeah. And uh, and what came through is teaching on resurrection codes. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's um, it's a, let's say a mystery school teaching on the rites of the sepulcher that were taught in ancient Egypt. And the idea behind that uh, Yeshua did not, did not resurrect on his own, Magdalene helped him resurrect, that it was all arranged um, in a similar way, like, you know, like you had this wonderful podcast interview about the miraculous conception. Uh, I think another piece of this puzzle is resurrection. Uh, it's when Oh my the, gosh, I was getting a download about resurrection yesterday. So, I, yes. Oh, well, how fascinating. <laughs> I, think, I think resurrection teachings are yeah. coming back. So mm-hmm. I taught a class on those resurrection codes, which was so potent. And mm-hmm. now I know that for Easter, um, this coming spring for Easter, I'm going to teach it as a separate class. Um, oh my gosh. I love it. Can I just, I want to insert this little, um, fun story that uh, a few years ago, I was going through a dark night of the soul in 2019, the spring of 2019. And, um, I went on this pilgrimage where my soul told me to go to this piece of land in Pennsylvania, which is like 10 hours from the state of North Carolina where I live. And I had the ceremony on this piece of land and, uh, it was very important. And I came back two days before Easter. And on Easter, two friends of mine, two women were holding a ceremony, two women who are in a sacred union couple. So Mm -hmm. feminine and masculine represented, of course. Um, And we were going into ceremony on Easter for the resurrection of the sacred feminine. Um, And I don't think that they were saying the word resurrection, but they had a deck of um, Mother Mary cards all around the altar on the floor. And there were probably 20 of us. And I just let everyone else go. And I knew exactly, you know, where to go for my card. I was just like, you like be lined to one card. And I pulled the resurrection card and I was like, you can't make this shit up. Like, 
I was going through the dark night of the soul and then that began the resurrection, but the, um, kind of download or, or ping that I was getting just yesterday and I was pretty deep in meditation. So it's, um, not very clear to me now what it was, but it was like, this is where your resurrection actually, like now I am resurrected, right? So 2019, I, I pulled this card that's like, and now you're on the up and up, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. And like, what is it? January of 2022. And it's like, and now you're embodying it. Mm-hmm. Welcome, you know? So um, anyway, yes to resurrection, such a yeah, yeah. powerful connection. And, and, you know, now when I think of it, what I think is those of us who are here to be, let's say, soul-guided leaders and who are here to impact others through emanation, through transmission yeah. of our soul essence codes, very often we are taken to very dark places. And yes. we have to go there. We have to have an experience of being in a coffin, yeah, metaphorically, yeah. as if we are in a coffin, as if we are buried alive. Be that buried alive in a job, buried alive in a life situation, in in a date and relationship. We have to have that experience of being contained in a space with no access to any light so that we can learn how to find that light. We have to learn how to switch that light switch on. And it's done on the level of genetic reactivation of our DNA, of the light codes within our DNA. Because to me, this is leadership. To me, leadership yeah. is all about how much light you are able to incarnate, hold, and transmit. So how much light are you able and willing to carry and share with the world? This is all about how close you are with your own soul. So leadership, in a way, has nothing to do with metrics. Uh, because in, in the modern day and age, with the social media and so on, like there are so many superficial vanity matrix m- metrics like A leader is somebody who is making six or seven figures, who has uh, 10K followers on Instagram and so on. And the thing is, I think this has taken us away from what truly matters because there are also leaders without a title. There are leaders who will never have a public platform, but they are leaders nonetheless simply because they transmit light codes. I'll give you an example. When my friend and I were on our little Magdalene pilgrimage, um, we at... at, um, at the town of Saint Maximin de la Saint-Bomme, where the basilica with her relics is, yeah, in town we were looking for a place to have lunch. And we came across this tiny, completely inconspicuous restaurant. Uh, and the owner of the restaurant, his wife, are running it. And the guy, I, I think, I, I'm sure he has Magdalene uh, lineage codes. He is not a leader, you know. He is not like the owner of a Michelin star restaurant in Paris. He just owns a little inconspicuous restaurant in Saint Maximin de la Saint-Bomme. But the food he delivers and the energy with which he was delivering it, how he made us feel, that to me was light coats embodiment. And, you know, he gave us a gift. He he saw that I was sad about my dad. So I told him, he asked us about, you know, who I, and he spotted us right away. He knew why we are here. Like, he knows. Mm-hmm. And so he came back. <laughs> Harold the Magdalene coming home. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. And he was yeah. a huge chunk of just stone. And he said that a friend of his was restoring the basilica. And this, um, this stone was part of the gargoyle um, station. And they were replacing the gargoyle or restoring it. And he gave him this piece. And you know what he did? He chopped off a tiny piece and gave us each a tiny piece of the basilica of Magdalene. Wow. <laughs> Yeah. And, and, and that was like amazing, you know. He's not writing Melbourne books, standing there on a pedestal delivering trains. Right. 
He just gives women who are of Magdalene lineage, who need encouragement, who need something tangible to bring home. Mm-hmm. I mean, he doesn't give it to everybody who comes into his restaurant. Otherwise, mm-hmm. there'd be nothing left of his of his stone chunk. But he mm-hmm. gave it to us because he saw that we were there for the reason and that we needed it and that we would be, you know, really elevated by this little gift of having tangible presence of Magdalene in our life. So that to me is leadership. And there are so many of us placed strategically around the world, connected through the grids and through the ley lines as grid keepers, earth angels, in realm leaders who are doing work in dream space and so on, uh, where it takes us to our personal resurrection and to our personal reconnection with with the light within us and with soul lineage. And this is subtle work. This is inner work. This is not something that you can learn in any traditional way. That's why I'm so passionate about mystery school revival, Mm -hmm. because it's about Mm -hmm. that. It's Mm -hmm. about, let's say, soul frequency embodiment work, frequency work, subtle light body calibration that is done through remembrance, through sacred remembrance, not through techniques that that are readily available, because it is something rather that comes through spontaneously through channeling in shamanic journeys. It's not like, you know, a modality or methodology that I can just spell out and say, okay, do this. It's more right. with the minds. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I'm so glad that you're doing that mystery school work. I got that calling to um, at some point in the last year. And it, I have this whole background, as you know, in education. And so um, slowly I've been restructuring things to be more in the formula of uh, school and mystery school. Mm -hmm. Um, But thank you for bringing back that word. I just, there's something pinging Violetta and I'm going to ask us both to um, attune to it. There's something pinging about the, what you were saying you're saying so much. There's so much here. You're saying about the surrender and remembering yourself, coming home to self. And as you come home to self, there is this embodiment of light of soul codes. Um, and we have to, we have to get to that point where I do agree, like nothing else is propping us up. And we're facing whatever the fuck we have to face so that we are saying, show, show me the way, like, mm-hmm. you know, surrendering and, and seeing that, but there's something that is present for me that I'm, I wonder if it connects with your father's passing as well. This masculine, I want to talk about the masculine in that, mm-hmm. uh, the masculine in women, um, because what was always preventing me. And when I say this, it could sound superficial, but I'm asking people Mm -hmm. to go deep to, you know, to the subconscious, to the encodement that we've inherited from patriarchy Mm -hmm. and, um, and all of the, you know, misconceptions associated with patriarchy, all of the, the programming meant to kind of keep us small. Right. So for me, what prevented me from fully stepping in was actually a collapsed, like masculine template 
um, which was perpetuated by my father, this like rescue pattern that he had perpetuated in this like, you know, narcissistic sort of abusive um, hook, right? That hooked my feminine into, you're going to need this kind of pattern in your life. And so I have spent years healing the relationship with the masculine, but it was like this false um, hook or, or dependency, mm-hmm. like a false dependency on a masculine that could not hold me. Like there was, there was a surrender to, um, letting go of all notions of that template. I don't know. What are you hearing and what I'm saying? Cause you're like, let's mm-hmm. weave this a little bit. Um, what I'm hearing immediately is the idea of sovereignty. Yes, it was, it was, um, preventing me from embodying my own light that like, as the remnants of that program, Mm -hmm. you know, faded and washed from my life and the light became more and more and more the truth in my life, um, that needed to happen. And I'm, I think that we're, this is um, part of what you and I were like, we're going to channel something on this podcast. Mm -hmm. I think this is part of it because, you know, that episode about miraculous conception was so big and all of these women are reaching out to me going, oh my gosh, that was a missing piece that like I didn't have. And since then, I also am really witnessing this like washing clean of this false masculine template, almost like in the crystalline waters, like in the, Mm -hmm. in the, in the, you know, beautiful feminine waters, you know, it's like washing out of women's lives, my own own included. And that is providing this space for the light. Um, So I know that you wanted to talk about um, masculine distortion as well. Um, But yeah, I may have taken us off track or opened something up. On track? Okay. Okay. (laughs) I'm going to do a visual. Like, I have spatial synesthesia, so I see things Mm, in the space. And I think something important, like, so the important bit that is coming through that I'm hearing now, that I am being taught and told right now, is that you need, you do not need to wait to get fully healed for you to embody your light. Yes. So, Yes, we all come with encodings and templates and so on. A lot of people present, that's what I see in my sessions, a lot of people present with cloaks and invisibility cloaks because they felt unsafe in their magic in their past life. So if you have any kind of connection of pain and purpose being intertwined, where where you were in your highest purpose came also your highest pain, or where you were ridiculed for expressing your light. For people, it can be impossible to reconcile the notion that being in their light can be safe, that being in their light can actually be that which makes them money. And they go like, but how can I make money from my magic? Or how can I emanate my light in my relationship if all I have ever known in my past lives and in this current life is that being in my light gets me shamed, ridiculed, persecuted, ostracized. Yeah, but it can be, it can, like we can create this idea, you know, that we need to 
do the work of this and this and this, get healed, there comes spiritual perfectionism of going on healing loops upon healing loops upon healing loops thinking, oh, when I'm healed or when I quit my corporate job, then I will embody my light. And I think Mm -hmm. this is how people get stuck because the essence is what is very important to realize is we embody our light in the now. It's not quantifiable. Yes, of course, as we release our wounding and patterning and rewire our blueprints, to bring, let's say, our human expression and our soul level essence into complete concurrency. Yes, we can say that then more of our light is emanating. But I think do not wait to embody your light. What would it, what would it feel like and be like to be in your light? And often that is simply about becoming more receptive, becoming more porous in your field, dropping the veils and the cloaks, dropping the vows and protection mechanisms a lot of people have blocks uh, and even seals i see that a lot recently in sessions different seals where people have accepted those seals uh, on their chakras or somewhere in the energetical body so that their seals would hold the light within and mm. that means they are also not receptive so nothing can come in opportunities yeah. cannot come in serendipities cannot come in aligned clients or aligned relationships cannot come in so the field is not porous the field is very dense so the starting point to me is to start losing the grip to start mm-hmm. losing the grip on our identities to start losing the grip on what we think is safe or not safe so that we can give more and receive more there is a bit more of an energetical exchange with the environment being more open because that is like when we are losing the grip, things can be fluid, things will get rearranged and then our timeline will get upgraded automatically. There is no need to look for a shortcut. There is no need for spiritual bypassing. There is no need for even manifesting through distorted templates of Mm. imposing your version of reality on reality, which constructs artificial timelines. It literally constructs Mm. artificial realities where people live from borrowed energy, um, which in a way, let me use this big word, is kind of demonic and black magic, you know, when people borrow energy from the future, they borrow energy from their mentors who are teaching their manifestation and they construct those artificial timelines and artificial realities. It's almost like an economy within an economy when people are just paying it themselves for this whole pyramid scheme, uh, which is now starting to kind of disintegrate and fall away because people know that this is not working anymore. But still, there are some remnants of that. So what I'm saying is by, by coming into more, let's say, natural and organic light embodiment where you're just simply allowing it to come through, It's like you don't need to go into a temple or a sacred chamber to do that. You can bring that light as your frequency emanation to the relationship that you already have, to the workplace that you already have. Simply being a person who is more, more true, more connected, more in their light, and who actually believes that it is possible to live a life in accordance with their light. It starts with us backing ourselves first. Because nobody will come and validate our magic. You need to validate yourself. Nobody will come and hand you the owner batch of, yes, you are a leader now. Because if you are hooked on that, you will be waiting for a very long time. Then again, you will be in the game of success metrics and in the game of jobs, titles, attachments, identities, and so on. And then, you know, life shows that it can all be taken away. Uh, but it's rather about, it's like, nobody's going to validate you. You don't need validation. You can step up and be that. And to me, it's almost like, okay, let me incarnate a bit more of my light, a bit more, a bit more. It doesn't need to be a shock. 
to the system because if your like if your soul were to were to come through uh, immediately in its totality, the human system could collapse because it couldn't yeah, hold that you wouldn't know yeah you, yeah you wouldn't be able to hold it so it's just about opening up opening up opening up opening up making your field more receptive more porous to possibilities i see it as if like a peacock is opening the tail mm-hmm, or like the mm-hmm. angel wings are getting spread where your heart chakra is opening a bit more <sighs> and you're just walking into the world being more receptive and willing to 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 relate and this is again when the masculine comes in because not only are you like wide open but there is also something strong that has your back that is that's the safety piece the receptivity and openness piece needs to dance with the safety piece and the stability piece and the self-holding piece that then mm-hmm. into a sovereignty sovereignty is being soft and strong at the same time yeah. So that was like yeah. my, my random download, like blabbering. Oh, I love about. it. We're so on the same page. I was just writing this morning. I was starting a blog post about releasing density and bringing in more light. I mean, same page. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, and yeah, so I've noticed on my path, cause I, I did <laughs> I incarnated, um, into, uh, a family contract into a soul contract that like I took on an immense amount of density an immense mm-hmm. amount of like, you know, uh, childhood trauma and things like that to then transmute. I'm still trained to like, or not trying, I'm intending to figure out like how to, um, you know, utilize that and, and do so in my leadership. Right. Um, because there has been so much that has been transmuted, but um, to me, it, it has been proportionate, I think, with like the, you know, if the amount of trauma in the system or falsehood in the system or false beliefs or, you know, all of those deception strategies that exist in the world, um, if that's taking up our space, then we can't shine our light. And so I think that there's this, it seems to me that there's this proportionality where it's like um, shed the density own the light, shed the density, own the light, shed the density. And it just, it continues like that. And so you're, for, in my experience, I've been embodying that, the leadership that I was able to embody with the level of consciousness that I had at the time, yeah. right? Along the path. Mm-hmm. And um, you just did a podcast episode on leadership that mm-hmm. I really enjoyed. Yeah, I recommend that everyone listen to all of your podcasts because I love your downloads. Um, but yeah, I really enjoy what you're saying about personal leadership. And I just love how you debunk, you know, spiritual <laughs> teachings uh, in general. It's a hobby of mine. <laughs> <laughs> love it. I was taking a walk yesterday listening to the leadership podcast and you were debunking, um, you know, waiting for a sign and you were saying like, what are you waiting for a feather, like a feather from your angels? And I'm just laughing out loud on the street as I'm listening to it. Um, so yeah, that to say that I, I am really resonating with what you're saying about leadership lately and personal leadership and um, that no one is going to appoint you as a leader. And you and I both have a mm-hmm. professional career history um, in more hierarchical leadership where we like got a title. And, mm-hmm. um, and so now we're um, creating uh, a new way of being where 
We're owning leadership. And also, I mean, going back to where you started with being so humbled, being, being taken so far into your depths, being willing to let it all go and then letting the truth come from that and the truth being your leadership. And that, like, those are the people I want to trust right? Like the, show me the people that know themselves so well and stand unfalteringly in that. And those are the people that I want to hang with, you know? Um, and, yeah. and that's when I trust myself too. Like, honestly, I've been doing a lot of this in the last, um, year myself and like, who, who do I want to be? Why do I want people engaging with me? You know, is it for the followers? That word in and of itself is like a whole other thing. Yeah, but, it's, it's, so problematic it's just so problematic. You know, it's like, no, I want to do this authentic thing of, of mm. you know, sacred remembrance and sovereignty um, and, and inspire and motivate people with that. And so um, coming into a space of self-trust, you mm. know, like when you've been taken down by life and you've been on your knees and you've been surrendering and then like from there... You're saying, show me the way, who yeah. am I? What would you have me do? Um, it's, it's a self trust that then um, propels that personal leadership. So I'd like to hear you speak a little bit more to, um, to leaders and, um, you know, many, many people, I think many women right now, I'm seeing an uptick in my business practice of women coming to me because they've made a pivot, you know, mm-hmm. and they're saying, okay, I'm going to follow my soul now. I'm going mm-hmm. to um, start this thing of heart and soul. Um, so, so, so many people awakening, um, embodying their mission. How do they stay on track and not get distracted? By the- oh, this is an excellent question because yeah. I have been distracted so often. Right, me too. I get it. Just yeah, yeah. I get distracted all the time, and I mean, our culture is 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 you know is structured around the idea of distraction. So mm. one thing that I want to say is there is grace in imperfection. Yeah. So how I see it is. If I were to give one piece of advice to leaders who are stepping into their soul truth and into their highest timeline, their highest destiny, is to allow it to be messy. Yeah. To allow it to be messy. Remove the energy of pressure. Yes, it's powerful to have a vision, but is your vision inspiring you? Or is that vision creating unnecessary pressure in terms of, okay, this is my money goal for the year. I need to make that. Or my business needs to have this and this and this in place in this and this and this amount of time. You know, that pressure of very often, like this is one of my favorite pet peeves is the manifestation debunk uh, around the idea of get clear on what you want and go for it. (laughs) <laughs> Maybe that works for some people. Uh, for example, in human design, I'm a quadrite, so I'm completely unspecific, unstrategic. Like I couldn't be strategic to save my life. Okay, like I just can't. Yeah. But anyway, like I just want to speak more into people who are mysterious or even neurodivergent, like myself or quadrites. So it's not. It's like. I don't think that it's necessary. There is, there has been, let's say, there has been a lot of emphasis in entrepreneurship culture and personal development culture on figuring out what you what you want and going for it. Yeah. And a lot of that is based on distortion, masculine distortion of 
control and distortion of lack of trust and distortion of not trusting your destiny and also not trusting the great mystery and not being able to enjoy the process. Mm -hmm. To me, if I were, again, to come back to this idea of allowing yourself the grace of imperfection, allowing yourself to enjoy the journey, it is that idea to me of co-creating with life. It's not like you are creating your leadership, you are building your dream. Yes, you are. But also, can you be open? Can you be receptive to what life throws your way? How can you hold that balance of having a leadership vision, having your dreams and desires, but also having that space for the unknown? Because it is in the unknown, in the mystery, in the liminal space that we find treasures, that we find miracles, that we find guidance. And this cannot be quantified. This cannot be expressed as a goal. This cannot be put on the map or strategized around because guidance does not come with a five-step plan. <laughs> guidance comes in little bits and pieces. And yeah, sometimes maybe it is the proverbial feather from your angels, you know. But guidance to me, it's more of an impulse, more of a feeling. And I guess uh, everybody understands it differently. I would say explore how you tick. Explore how guidance shows up for you. Um, just get to know yourself. Allow yourself to play with your leadership. Allow yourself to dance in your leadership. Allow yourself to be in the cultivation of your frequency. So what you're doing is you're not building a brick and mortar structure. You are cultivating a frequency field. When you are in that energy of self-cultivation, when you know, okay, these are the frequencies of my soul. This is what I am really about. These are my values. How can I cultivate that every day? Also through my physical appearance, through my behavior, through my priorities, through how I spend my time. How can I cultivate this frequency field around myself that will naturally create a resonance field? I, again, I see it as a resonance field. This is my temple. You know, I walk into my temple. I do my sacred work. I just look at, okay, what is the next right action? Where am I called to go next? What is mine to do and what is not? What can I do today that will move the needle forward? How can I be in devotion to cultivating this frequency today? And so then it kind of shape shifts itself. So I think leadership is becoming more and more nonlinear. There is less and less, let's say, for lack of a better word, there is less and less security in it. It's like you have to learn to dance in the moment. You have to be willing to shift timelines sporadically at will. You need to be ready that, for example, like you are preparing a program and then uh, tomorrow you wake up and you realize, no, okay, we're complete with that. Um, new download <laughs> coming through. Okay. Okay. Onto that track because that's that's how I roll. Like I, I stopped trying to figure things out. Stop trying to figure things out. It gives you It gives you nothing. Figuring things out only feeds the mind. Instead, how close are you to your heart? How attuned are you to your to your light in your embodiment? That's what I would say. And one more thing I want to say, it's a bit of a sidetrack, but I, you mentioned ancestral uh, healing and contracts with the family and so on. I'm getting a, quite a controversial download that maybe some people need to hear. Mm -hmm. And that is, it is no longer your job to heal your lineage. Oh, no. It is, it is but, also, but also it's not. Because I think a lot of people, again, they get stuck and sidetracked in, in their loyalty vows to their lineage where they get used as washing machines for their ancestral and collective karma. Preach. Yes. Oh, and my gosh. Some, Thank in some you. Way, 
you know, like all those ancestors, they are actually souls, okay? They are not incarnated right now in this lineage. Maybe they have reincarnated already five times. Can they please take care of their own karma, please? Okay. I'm so glad we're talking about this. Yes, I have something to add to this. So (laughs) now I presented at this um, event on the sacred feminine this fall. It was a, it was a wonderful event. Um, And I was pretty astonished by how, by the degree to which women were interested in ancestral healing. Like Mm. of all of the things on the menu, I presented about uh, women's relationship with the masculine kind of on all Mm. levels, Mm -hmm. my jam, right? And they were like, yes, 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 yes. But the orientation was largely to this ancestral healing stuff. And I was like, this is in part enslavement. Like, you know, it, there was a lot of a collapsed feminine energetic, like feminine who were not leading their lives, women who were disempowered with money, women who had dreams, who did not know how to make them happen, like women who felt like victims and they were orienting toward the ancestral healing. And I was like, it's your choice. This is your life. What are you doing with your life now? And, you know, incorporating the sovereignty and, and the architecture of the, of your sovereign blueprint, but really laying themselves at the feet of this like idea that you have to heal your ancestral karma. Yeah, um, you're gonna be here for a long time. I think you you're so right in printing out the collapsed feminine template. And what I also see in this is attachment to doing free emotional labor. Yes. Because women are hooked on that template of doing free emotional labor. So once they are done doing it for the for their partner and for their friends, for their clients, now, mm-hmm. okay, who else can I heal? Oh, let me heal my ancestors. I mean, I'm not dishing ancestral healing work. I think you also are not. So we don't want to, sh- to throw shade on that. I think there is space and time for it. But are you in your discernment? Are you doing that from an empowered place or are you using that as an excuse to not move on with your life? Are you using all of that as healing loop to, because a lot of people in, in because see, the thing is like, this is 2022, yeah? The entire spiritual thing has been around for, for a decade, more or less, in the open, okay? It's not like we're yeah. now, we're not underground. So people have done some work, okay? This is not new. This is like yeah. not your basic bitch moon circle. Um, so <laughs> There she goes. There she goes. <laughs> so, so people are already sophisticated and all of that. People have yeah. done some yeah. work. And what I'm wondering is how many of them are still doing the same work they have been doing five years ago and not seeing any results? And why is that? Right, right. Why is that? Collapsed feminine will just suffer on behalf of everybody for a long fucking time. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. I think, I think, I think a lot of people just don't understand that they deserve better. It has certainly been my journey to start attuning myself to higher realities, yeah. which again is back to my earlier point about incarnating more of your light. Because yes. one of the practical ways to do that is to raise your standards. And to allow more light, because this light, you don't need to produce it. It already exists. But very often we are just looking the other way because we're so used to struggle, suffering, collapse. Yeah. We are so used to that, that we do not realize that the better timelines are available and that it's just our willingness to be more receptive to that. And to simply, to put it really simply, willingness to just feel good. 
willingness yeah. to hold more pleasure. A lot of people, especially women, they just don't want to feel good because they're trained to feel shit. So how can you feel better? And sometimes it can be just a little tweak, giving yourself better food, um, taking better care of your body, saying no to people who demand your time, like saying no to collapse, just freaking feeling better so that you can be more of a match to that to that light that is already here. And just yeah. knowing and getting it through your head that you deserve better, that you deserve better and you need to allow yourself to have better and to do not the work that takes you deep into the gutter, but rather the work that takes you into the light. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I mean, I just want to own, I've done this a thousand times for thousands of days. Like, you know, I've, huh. I've suffered unnecessarily and um, stayed in the rut. And then, so for anyone listening, you know, we're not talking about other people. We're also talking about like learn lessons uh, personally, mm-hmm. but I think it's that feeling of um, I've been working at this for so long. I've been working the spiritual path for so long. I've been, um, you know, following the moon charts and, and, uh, you know, doing the, the cards and, and like all of the things you learn to do in the, the goddess circles and, and like the, let's say like the introductory sacred feminine work, you know, and thank goodness for it. Like our, you yeah. know, we're, we're waking up that way. And then there are these energetics of sovereignty that are very much choice-based where mm-hmm. you do not have to continue to suffer in the same suffering loops. Um, for a long time, I was getting the ping, like, go, go to the quantum more often, Sarah, what are you doing? You know, and I, I had a, a wonderful like um rhythm to my days you know Mm -hmm. as a mother as an entrepreneur as a spiritual woman as a as an embodied woman like I moved energy on a daily basis but I wasn't creating what I wanted to see next and that was collapsed that Mm -hmm. was because I wasn't allowing myself to say I can have that. I deserve that. I I want that, you know, mm. and going back to collapsed feminine, collapsed masculine, that was, um, you know, a part of me still playing into the distortion that it had to be hard because this masculine was collapsed. Like, oh my gosh. Mm. I hope that the listeners are following. Um, I want to say, like, reach out to us yeah. if you have questions, yeah. because yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I hope that the listeners are also getting the energy of possibility that Sarah yeah. and I trying to transmit possibility yeah. to to elevate yourself, possibility to have it easy, which could be perhaps the hardest work you'll ever do in yourself. And a yeah. note on spiritual work and results and so on. I think where people often get trapped is also doing it for the gimmicks, doing it for the result. To me, mm. it's well, the manifestation thing. That's like, yeah, to me, yeah. it's very different from, let's say, temple culture. That's why it's called Temple yeah. Star yeah. by my mystery school. It's a temple space. You come there just to hang out, okay? You come there to hang out in the frequency of your soul light. You come to this space to be devotional. And devotion is not about the result, devotion is about holding the desire. And being non-attached, it's always about letting go of the desire. It's But devotion is not doing it for the result. It's doing it for the process. It's doing it for the sake of who you become as yeah. you are moving into the desire. 
So in a way, from manifestation, we are moving into devotional co-creation. Yes. Into soul frequency work, devotional co-creation. It's actually, it's, it's just downloaded. It's new. I'm going to use it in my new program. Devotional co-creation from manifestation into devotional co-creation. That's beautiful. These are the words I write every single day. And my, um, I have a structure and flow like planner mm-hmm. and I use it all the time. I created it and I use it all the time. And that's that loop of devotion, co-creation, receptivity. Mm-hmm. And then I have that all encompassed in love. Right. Um, like it's a, it's an act of love. Like I am in the d- devotion. I'm getting the information. We're in the co-creation that brings the receptivity. Yeah, it's yeah, not yeah. manifestation um, intro. <laughs> no, it's, it's more also to me like joyful self-expression because yeah. creation is so powerful. Women have been uh, divorced from the idea of being in control of their fertility, of their creative fertility. Exactly. Yes. It's, it's about how much are you allowing yourself to birth? It's about yeah. birthing new realities, birthing creations, even if it's just a little Instagram post, not withholding, not trying to be too strategic about it or perfect, you know, again, back to the leadership, leading in the now, leading through creating, through creating imperfectly, through creating for the sake of creation and for the joy that it brings you. That um, rewires the entire creative life force and essential sexual life force in the second chakra and just kind of also un- unlocks all those seals and hooks and cords where, where we come into our energy and our ability to birth new worlds, to not just birth life as human life, but to birth new worlds. And in a way, you apply the idea of miraculous conception to, let's say, business. It's like yeah. business is a miraculous conception because you receive a divine download of the light on the soul level, you get an idea for a business or a program, and then you need to base it. It's the content. Yeah. The masculine seeds, the consciousness, you bring yeah. it through. Yeah. Bring yeah. It through. So, and I think um, when we allow ourselves to be that pure portal way and vessel and not resist bursting, not resist launching ideas, not resist just putting things out there, regardless of how it's going to land, who will sign up, who will not sign up. Yeah. It's all secondary because when you kind of to me it's almost like you know if the technology within us is rusty the machine is not operating properly and it's very slow you are trying to get yourself going but if you just allow that flow to to flow through you it moves you then you are more again open and receptive the more you give the more comes back when you when you give when you give that light it comes back it floats around with that we are illuminating the grid illuminating the world illuminating our reality and then a better timeline is automatic it's like a reality upgrade quantum leap voila not because you manifested it but because you became it it's about who you become in the process yeah that's really helpful. I feel like I just needed that. You just gave me some business leadership coaching. Um, oh, <laughs> I hope it's helpful to many people. <laughs> um, yeah, I want to do. I want to say that you've held space for me and my business um, and my leadership, um, and you're incredible. So, um, if ever, if anyone's resonating, I highly recommend they schedule with you. Um, but I really love what you're saying, and as I am. <laughs> quite literally um stepping into a different timeline right now like this week what i thought was going to happen didn't happen and i had to stay in the mystery and i was very aware that i was um like acclimating and normalizing a new frequency mm-hmm. a new way of being um and i'll say if, because i think it may be helpful to 
to women who are listening as well. Um, you know, I got pretty kind of discouraged, I would say, by the, you know, social media, like this, by this game we have to play or that oh, I felt yes, we, we had to play. <laughs> yeah. And as a projector, you know, I, and all of this, by the way, I want to say, I'm I'm questioning everything right now. So even if I say it, I might realize tomorrow that I no longer believe it. Um, and so, you know, as a projector, it's like, I have to continue to put myself out there. But then um, as, as a businesswoman, I don't want to like do that in order to get sales. And so I've been in a, in a place where I really have not desired to post on social media such that um, I've taken action to hire a virtual assistant and I'll write things whenever I'm getting the download and then Mm -hmm. she puts them up um, Mm -hmm. and she schedules them. And when I see her scheduling them, I actually get like chills because I'm like, wonderful. Somebody's doing the work, but my system doesn't want to do it. And then sometimes I do and I spontaneously do it, but I'm still... I would say undoing the timeline of doing, Mm -hmm. you know, and I've, I've kind of washed that clean and recreated that, Mm -hmm. you know, what that looks like a lot of times in entrepreneurship. And, um, and I also got confused and you and I have talked about this, about like Mm -hmm. when the divine dispensation comes in you know, thinking like, okay, that's the direction I have to go. Now I'm doing this. And I did that in like May and June. And then the program didn't sell. I don't like using program. The offering didn't sell. Mm -hmm. And I was like, well, what the heck? I I listened. I Mm -hmm. based my entire like action series around listening to, you know, what was coming through. Um, And I, the sense that I make of that is like, I think it was coming through for me and maybe, Mm -hmm. you know, the timing was a little off, but interestingly, um, I put up a wait list, you know, the wait list Mm -hmm. got a lot of traction. Mm -hmm. And then when I was like, okay, time to talk about it, you know, it's still not, um, happening. Mm -hmm. It's not happening. So I wonder, um, Mm-hmm. What you'd say to that, like when women are like, okay, I'm listening, I'm taking action. Um, I think what mm-hmm. I would say to that is like, I don't know that I'm in love with it. I've, I feel mm-hmm. like it was almost dutiful, you know, mm-hmm. like, okay, I got the divine dispensation. Now I have to. Mm-hmm. And so I'm kind of answering my own question p- potentially, but it, you know, that heart's desire of like, okay, I have all of these ideas what's sparking me? Like, what do I want to do? Mm-hmm. And then um, being in the creation with like mm-hmm. what I want to do. So maybe you could speak to that a little bit more mm-hmm. and, um, and business and, you know, pr- profit, uh, like mm-hmm. is a part yeah. of business. Oh, and so yeah. how do we, oh, so good. how do we make the money? You know, how do we make the money? Okay, so first to speak into what you're sharing about getting a divine download, getting guidance, receiving an idea for an offering, putting it out there, and then kind of nothing comes back. Or you make money, but not as much as you wanted. Okay, my main point here is that ideas come through 
and creations get born not for the reason you think. We think uh-huh. that an idea for an offering comes to us so that we create an offering, launch an offering, sell an offering, fill an offering, and deliver an offering and make money. But this is just one of the multiple reasons why offerings come to us. Sometimes they come for us to cleanse the channel. Through downloading it, something cleanses. Sometimes it comes so that we can download a lesson that we need. Sometimes an offering comes so that we can refine our communication process and our writing process. Sometimes an offering comes and then it flops and doesn't sell so that we can have an entry point to grieve. And then the grieving serves us. So I would say it's very important to not be attached to the destiny of an offering. I love what you're saying, too. I'm sorry, I'm interrupting. I'll just interject quickly that, you know, I think it's wise as an entrepreneur to realize that not everything is going to work, right? Mm -hmm. But what you're saying in the mystery school embodiment is there's a reason why it didn't work. You know, there's something Mm -hmm. to learn from. There's something to alchemize. There's something to continue to pay attention to and stay in the mystery with it. Yes, yes. What I'm saying is that it's not linear. Yeah. So creating an offering is not, is not really about creating an offering. It is always partly something that we do for the collective and something that we do for ourselves. Because okay. entrepreneurship is a spiritual path. And in the process of meeting our edge in business development and in leadership, we also get to download more of our own land. So I would say it's like, see, if I'm putting an offering out there, I cannot think that I'm entitled to sell it just because it was divinely guided. Mm. I have to let go of that. Just because I downloaded something beautiful and it's amazing, it does not entitle me. Just because it's it's from guidance or because it's channeled or because it's whatever, I'm so sincere and good and amazing. Just because that is the case, it, it does not mean that it's meant to, to be received. And to me, I always download everything from the highest prayer of if I'm putting this offering out there, please give me the highest aligned amount of participants. May this offering reach the ones who need it and show me how to offer it in a way that can reach those people. And I'm not attached to how many people show up, 15 people, five people. It's like, am I enjoying the process anyway? Mm-hmm. Would I be doing that? I always think to myself, would I be creating this program or delivering this offering even if I would be delivering it to my one friend who I would invite so that I have somebody to talk to, would I be doing that if I would be delivering it to my cat? Would I be developing this offering just for the joy of producing this content and just for the joy of talking about something that I'm passionate about? And if the answer is yes, I have never actually experienced it not selling. Uh, again, it, numbers can vary. Sometimes it's more people, sometimes it's less people. But to me, it's like, in a way, I'm doing it for myself. <laughs> I think it's a, a good way to do it is to become a bit more selfish. Are you excited about this offering? Would you sign up for this? Would you want to do it if you had all the time in the world? If if money was not an object, because my philosophy is that business and money are actually completely separate tracks. And oh they, they all get, they get mingled and intertwined. I think the way we receive money, we receive it from source. A business is just one of the vehicles. You can receive money through so many sources and through so many portal ways. Business can be the biggest for it. But let's say if that if money was no issue, would you be delivering this offering now? 
Mm-hmm. Because again, like to me, strategy and trying to figure things out and sequence and the launching and so it's just messing with my head. It's I just like doing, just it. yeah, right. It's like pushing pieces around in in the three D where that makes me sad because I'm a mystic. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> don't want and, to do that. And I think we need to find balance, you know. If we lean too far in the mystery, then we might never be able to have a viable business. But we push too much into the brick and mortar strategy kind of pushing yeah. pieces, then we abandon the mystery. It's a dance. And both yeah. sides are needed. Both sides are needed. It's There is time to be business savvy and then there is time to be a mystic and to be a priestess of the temple who is delivering her offerings. But to me, it's also about, again, frequency cultivation and knowing that to me, offerings are just outlets for people to interface with my frequency. So when you're creating an offering, it is simply a possibility for people to step into your resonance field and play with you. Yeah. It's a possibility for people to come and be in the energy of your light. So it's my responsibility to cultivate that light. Yeah, exactly. As the leader. Yeah, I think yeah. it's your only responsibility to cultivate right. that light and then Beautiful. communicate that light, you know, switch it on and keep it on through various vehicles that we have as modern humans, e.g. social media. Um, and and it's like, let this light shine and then have outlets for people to come and consume it. Different offerings. They can have you one-on-one. If they want more access, they can be in a group program. They can have a workshop or pre-recorded something. You know, for me, those are just vehicles. And uh, I'm just starting to be more playful with this and to allow myself to create offerings that are fun for me. You know, yeah. like yeah. that's that's what I'm doing. Like, what would I do for myself and my friends for the kind of humans that I want to have that represent my light, that are undiluted dispensation of what I'm here to give? And then I just I am in a devoted prayer of creating it because I think if we lean too far into, okay, what does the market need? What do people need from me? What are the problems? Blah, blah, blah. That can take us away from ourselves when we are creating for for the sake of people. I definitely made that mistake in the past because I was hooked on the energy of contribution. I was like so about Mm. making a difference, making an impact, being helpful, Mm. that it, it was tainted with my energy of a parentified child who wanted to save everybody and who just wanted to be useful. I was like so stuck on this idea, like, I want to be useful. What yeah. can I offer that mm-hmm. I'm useful? Mm-hmm. And it took me away from my energy of joyful creation. It's like, yeah, it's great to be useful. It's amazing to deliver results and solve problems for clients. That's all good and cool. But are you leaving yourself behind? Are you also enjoying the process? Do your offerings, uh, like, are they imbued in the energy of people-pleasing? And trying to fill in different Mm -hmm. market gaps to ensure that you are useful and needed and wanted by people. Or is that actually also representative of your soul frequency and your light? Because unless it's filled with your light, you will have no relationship with an offering. Yes, again, it's possible to sell it through the wounded, distorted paradigm and all those, you know, the drill. But does it really feed your soul? You know, that could be an artificial timeline of an inauthentic business that eventually will leave you feeling so hungry still so hungry but yeah it's it's a it's a very nuanced you know delicate subject mm, I think mm, everybody's mm. equation here is different but my core message in this would be don't leave your soul behind be in it for the right reason absolutely be in mm-hmm. it for the right reason know why you are doing it would you be doing it also just for the sake of it if nothing ever came back that to me is devotional business and devotional leadership 
I love that. There's this transmission coming through right now called Breathe to Receive. And it's so beautiful as a little transmission. And I'm recording these meditations and I invited um, people to come do it live with me. And I was like, to my um, virtual assistants who think God do so many of the moving parts on, on the internet, I was like, I don't want to sell this for very long. I, I'm tired of like selling, selling, selling. So we're just going to put this up for two weeks and just see what happens. Well, as of us recording this, one person has signed up. I love talking to this woman about receptivity. It might just be she and I, and I'm going to make these meditations, but I am living this transmission. And um, I have been for some time and it's it's been there, right? It was like breathe to receive, breathe to receive. And I, I had it like on a little whiteboard and I was like, I'll get to those meditations. And then I was like, I want to do this live. I want to interact with people with it. And since I said that, the initiations in my own life out, not initiations, but like the alchemy in my mm. own life around the, this, um, the magic mm. of like what wants to transpire. I'm living it. And then I'm recording the meditations while I'm living it. Mm. Um, and it, and it's very alive and I'm laughing at these business, you know, these lessons that you're describing. I'm just giving an example where it's like, if no one, if one person comes, would I do it? And I'm laughing and I'm like, yes, you know, do I want to do it? I am doing it. I'm living it right now. I'm living the transmission. So yes. And you know what I hear in this is like, this is you building a legacy. This isn't you Mm. just delivering in a once off program. This is you building a legacy, creating a beautiful offering that can stay in your library of offerings forever. Yeah, because that's what it will be. Mm-hmm. Many of our offerings are quantum in nature, meaning it's not just a group program with calls every Tuesday, okay? It's yeah. something that is beyond space and time. And yeah. I'm coming to see how the space is changing. It's like, you know, I always get stuck on setting call times, like, and people join and then they think, oh, no, I can't make Thursday nights. And I'm like, but it doesn't matter. I can move the calls, you know, like, don't join offering because <laughs> of when it is or about how much you're getting. You are not like, paying me for my time. It's like it's the energy is the frequency exchange. It's right. the exchange of the transformation. And I think we need to just be more open to how it is nonlinear and magical. Uh, yeah. All of it, really, all of it. Yeah. It's it's not, it's not. Yeah, you get what I'm saying? Yes, I do. I, I know it. I feel it. I'm so excited that you are um, opening up this modern mystery school and and you've been embodying these teachings, but bringing the temple of starfire um, modern mystery school forward. I'm really excited to see where you go with that. Is there anything else that you would um, like to share with us as we begin to wrap up here today about the mystery school or or anything else? Yeah. So temple of starfire is dedicated to cosmic humans who want to own their magic who want to really unlock their soul essence frequency and bring that into embodiment, into their life, into their business, into their leadership. And I'm also starting a completely new Instagram account. I've had like a long and painful story with Instagram. It's like, I love Instagram, but it feels like it doesn't love me back. So Mm -hmm. I'm like, let me reset everything to zero. It's a completely new Instagram account, Temple of Starfire, which I'm starting from scratch. I'm going to play with the algorithm and I'm going to allow my creativity to be completely unfiltered there. Meaning Mm -hmm. 
I have so much to say I could be posting five times a day. So I have the opposite problem of most people. Like I have, I've been holding myself back mm. from posting as much as I want because I think, okay, this is like, I'm taking up too much space. So to hell with all that. Mm. Uh, so Temple of Starfire is going to be like a very interactive space where I invite people to hang out with me on Instagram, to have conversations with me, to, to just, uh, you know, have this dialogue about being a magical human about bridging the mundane and the mysterious about frequency and soul essence embodiment and so there will be probably a, by the time this episode goes live um templeofstarfire.com is available and there are some workshops and courses that are self-study that uh, anybody can purchase because again it's beyond space and time mm-hmm. and there is one-on-one work and three months mastermind slash mystery school, which is about frequency work and elevating yourself into higher timelines. So this is what's on the cards. And who knows what else, you know, I'm thinking about finally when the world opens up having life events in Southern France. <laughs> so mm. that's, that's, that's my dream. This is what, uh, what I'm going into. But for now, I'm just in this devotional space and feeling so just so alive, you know, so alive. And so I'm so enjoying the, the Temple of Starfire praises and cultivating this frequency and bringing those offerings that I don't even care how many followers I have anymore. You know, I stopped caring. I just want to share this light to Good. make the transmission available. And whoever wants to join me, most welcome. I'll join you. Please. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you for doing what you're doing and being who you're being. And um, thank you so much for being here today with this transmission. I just, there's a lot here and uh, there's a lot of available alchemy for people to listen and, and re-listen. Um, so yeah, I, I'm just looking at your face right now and I'm thinking about five months ago, you know, yeah. and you oh, allowing yourself to... Right. You're allowing yourself to go so deep into everything that needed to be felt. And, um, and then there's this resurrection and this rising and this offering. And so uh, thank you for coming and, and speaking mm-hmm. to that process. And um, yeah, such an honor to know you. Likewise, the honor is all mine. Thank you for having me and may this conversation serve many people. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. Yes. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. This is Sarah Poet of Embodied Breath, and thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I'm curious, what was your biggest takeaway? Remember that you are not alone on the sacred path, and women are rising now together. You can visit my website, sarahpoet.com, for more tools and inspiration to support your sacred remembering path. Please be sure to check the show notes, subscribe to this podcast, share with a friend, and leave us a review wherever you listen to podcasts. I love to hear from you. Stay connected, and here's to your path of sacred remembering.